You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. We've been in a series called The Story, and what we've been doing with this series is we've been taking you little by little through the Bible. And so we've been taking a different kind of approach uh, because this series is only eight weeks long, and we wanted to take you within eight weeks through the whole Bible. So as you can imagine, we've, haven't, we've been having to give you the, the, the wide view of this and not able to get into every specific of the Bible as we go along, but telling you the big major stories, the big major themes as we go along. And this series is a little bit different, okay? And, and I want to say that from the very get-go of this sermon because it's easy for us, right, to want a sermon, to want a sermon that's kind of five ways towards happiness or something like that, right? And, 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 and those are the ones that, man, really connect with us, right? Because there's, there's stuff that we deal with. And I want you to know that this comes at it from a different angle, but if we can grasp the concepts of this series, if we can grasp the themes, if we can grab the heart of the themes of the story, man, it's going to help your happiness. It's going to help your joy. It's going to help all these areas of your life. It's just going about it a different way. So as we get into the scriptures today, I want you to remember that, that the scriptures are important for you to understand them, for you to grasp what God, the story of God and what he's doing throughout scripture. It matters to us and it affects our lives. It affects our hearts and it affects our view of God and the way you view God matters. And what scripture tells us is how to view God, is how to view his heart. And what we've seen so far as we began this series, we talked about Adam and Eve and from the very beginning as people, we were rebelling, okay? And it's easy to see anybody who has kids, nobody has to teach them to rebel, right? Nobody has to teach them how to say no, how to bite their brother or sister. Uh, those things just begin to happen, okay? And so we have this part of us that, uh, that rebels. And from the very beginning, we see that in Adam and Eve. And because of that, they are removed from the garden and their relationship with God is severed. And so they are, they are distant. But from the very beginning, God had a plan to be reunited, to say, you know what? In the midst of your rebellion, I still love you. I still want a relationship with you. And I'm setting up a plan so that I could be reunited with you. And what the story of scripture is that we've been going over is God's plan to reunite with us. So from the very beginning, he unfolded this plan. And he began with Abraham, where he told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to use you to be the guy that through your line is going to come this person who eventually is Jesus, who's going to help reunite uh, my people with me. And, and so from the very beginning, he's unfolding this plan through Abraham. But as you see in all of these stories that we've talked about, every one of these people that God uses are imperfect. They're making mistakes. And it'd be really easy for the Bible just to leave out those mistakes and just to tell us the good side of these people, but it doesn't do that, right? It tells us the human side, the humanity of people, the mistakes that they make, the big blunders that they have, and there's a reason for it because all of us are imperfect. All of us make mistakes and all of us are in need of a savior. And so God uses imperfect people like you and I throughout scripture. And as he picks up, he uses a guy like Moses, who's a murderer, to be able to set his people free out of slavery. And so there's this amazing story that we talked about, and I can't get into everything we've talked about, but along the way, we've seen some amazing blunders and we've seen some amazing things that God has done. And we've seen a whole lot of rebellion and a whole lot of faithfulness on God's part. But today, we're going to continue that because there comes a part in Scripture where God's people, they continue to rebel 
And because they rebel so strongly and because there's so many people rebelling, God has to do something to stop that. God has to do something to change the hearts of the people. And so let me, let me put it like this, and I want to talk about a feeling that we have at times. And the, the most recent I can think of this feeling is um, I was on a trip. I went to Lubbock, Texas. I'm a Texan, and um, I have some friends that I graduated high school with who called me uh, to do their wedding for them. And so um, I showed up in Lubbock. I did a, a wedding with some friends, and, you know, it's been years and years since I've seen a lot of these friends that I played football with and did wrestling with and all these things. So it was so good to be with all these people people again and to re- reunite and reconnect. And so we had a great couple of days there. And on the way back, um, as you know, we got some of that Midwest weather on the way back, okay? And so uh, unpredictable, right? Didn't know it was coming. But on the way back, we are about to pull into Chicago. And um, so I'm, we're, we're about to fly in. It seems like, you know, any minute we're going to fly down. And all of a sudden they say, sorry, uh, we're going to be redirected to Indy because uh, there's weather, okay? So they, they, they fly us into Indy instead, and, and we sit on the, uh, the runway there for, I would say, probably about five hours on the plane. And so that was miserable. As you can imagine, all the kids in the, in the place are going crazy. And, uh, and so you're sitting there just trying not to, uh, there was no food offered, right? Everybody's starving. Everybody's hangry. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was just difficult all the way around. And so, so we're sitting there, and um, I just remember being so tired from the trip that I had just been on and from this uh, crazy flight stuff that was going on. Um, and by the end of the day, I, I think I had began flying at 10, 10 a.m. that morning, and by 8 p.m., we were finally arriving in Chicago, and so it was a really, really long day, and so um, I get there, and I think, okay, perfect, you know, I'll get in the car, I'll drive home, I'll be in time to get a good night's rest in my own bed, and you get this idea, right, of, man, home, I'm finally, after a, after a week away, home, sleep in my own bed, you know, be in my own house, uh, peace. And, and so what happened when I got off the plane, though, that I didn't uh, think of is that there was a bunch of thousands of other people who had the same experience that I did that day because of the weather, and they were all trying to get home too. And so my car's parked at a hotel um, a ways away, and I was going to get an Uber and get the Uber, go to my car, you know, all that good stuff. And when I try to get an Uber, it says that there's no Ubers available because there's thousands and thousands of other people who are trying to get an Uber at the same time. And so literally, this is eight o'clock or so, we sit there together trying to get Ubers for five hours. Five hours standing there. There's literally people crying. I'm like in pastor mode, like consoling people, like it's gonna be all right, we're gonna make it out of this. Okay, we got this, okay, hang on. And so, um, so we're in this situation and finally at the end of the day, uh, it's you know, 2, 2 a.m. and we finally, I finally get an Uber, have to get a hotel. And so, um, but there's this feeling of, I want to be home. I want to be home. And this is a fraction of the feeling that the people are feeling in this story. Because in this story, the people of God are brought far away from home because of their disobedience. And for 70 years, they're away from home. For 70 years, they have this longing of, I want to be home again. I want to be in Jerusalem. I want to be in the place that I grew up. I want to be in the spiritual land that God has given us, and they're far from it, and there's this longing. And you know what? That longing that we feel at times, that that longing that I'm talking about, we feel that. 
right? We feel like this isn't it, right? Like this world that we live in isn't all that it's cracked up to be and isn't all that God has for us. That there's something, something more, like we're not home quite yet. And it's this feeling of exile that I want to talk about today because we experience being far from home quite often. And this is the same feeling of exile that we're going to talk about today. So turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verses 15 through 21. It'll be on the screen as well if you want to just read along up there. But this morning, we're talking about God's people and how for so long they had rebelled. And when I say so long, we're talking thousands of years of rebellion and God sending people to come and to try to get them to, to stop rebelling, to stop worshiping other gods, to stop going in the direction that they were going. God was warning them patiently but because they didn't respond, this is what begins to happen. So let's pick up here in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 15. It says, The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again, because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. So God is warning his people over and over again, it says here. It says that he had such compassion for them that he didn't want to just punish them, but he was trying to warn them all along. And he does the same for you and I, right? He's always trying to help us to make the right decision, to be wise in our decision-making, and he's going to give us wisdom and direction and send people to help do that as well. And it's important that we pay attention to those words that he gives us. But it says here that in response to what God had told them through his messengers, that they mocked God's messengers, they despised God's words. They scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no more remedy. So after thousands of years, God finally was fed up and thought, I have to do something about this. I have to do something about their disobedience. He brought up against them the king of Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and did not spare young men or young women the elderly or the infirm, God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. So we see here, and we even talked about this last week, that there was this reoccurring pattern that would happen in Scripture, okay? God's people would rebel. They would start worshiping other gods. God would allow another people group to come in and take over power. And then in the midst of them taking over power, uh, the people would feel bad. They would, they would say, Lord, we're sorry. And they would turn back to God, and then God would give them their land back and then the cycle would repeat all over again. Well, in this story, there's an even bigger part of this because finally this is a more of a permanent thing. They're, they're removed from their land. Um, it's not just that somebody else takes over, but they're removed from their land. So Nebuchadnezzar and his people come in. They take over Jerusalem. And so let's continue here. It says they set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. Let's go back to verse 18. He carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So, 
basically what's happening here is Nebuchadnezzar and his people, they come into the place of worship in Jerusalem, right? This is the, the temple. This is a place where people go to worship on a regular basis. And it is highly revered by these Jewish people in that time. And so by them coming in and taking over that place, man, this was a mockery to their God. This was a mockery to them. This was a big deal. And so they took everything in that temple and they took it back home to Babylon and uh, not only that, but it says here they took some of the people as well. So all, all, of, all the people in Jerusalem, they took them back to Babylon and gave them a new place. So I want you just to imagine that, right? Just to put yourself in that situation. You're an American, and suddenly somebody comes in, they take over. They don't just take over our land, but they bring us back to their land. So you are starting new with everything that you have, starting new with homes, starting new with a culture that you don't understand, a language that you don't understand, starting new on everything. So this is what these people are feeling. And they have a, um, a moment of decision here. Am I going to adapt to the ways and the cultures of this culture that we're being brought into? Or am I going to continue to worship God? Am I going to continue to worship our God, continue to follow the culture of, that I've grown up with? Uh, so there's a lot of decision-making that's happening here. But at the end of the day, there's this longing once again, this longing to be home, this longing to be back where they grew up, this longing to be back home. And so moments like this, it helps us to understand a little bit of something within us because exile, it means being far from home, things not being the way that they should be. And I, I want to just highlight that last part that I just said, things not being the way that they should be. That's exile. Because in this moment, right, they're in Babylon and things aren't the way that they should be. And have you ever had that feeling in this world? All the time, right? We look around us and we think, man, people fighting the way that they do, things aren't the way that they should be. We look at poverty in our world and wars that are happening and we think, man, things aren't the way that they should be. Right? We look at all the drama and all the relationship issues that we have at times and we think, man, things aren't the way that they should be. And all these things are a symptom of exile. They're a symptom of us being apart from God in a way. But you know what? The important thing here is that, is that God has had a plan all the way through to bring us out of exile and to put us in a position where we are finally home. And we'll get into that here in a little bit, but let's dissect a little bit more this feeling of things are not the way they should be. Let me give you one of the biggest ways things aren't the way that we should be. The amount of death that we have to deal with in our world. Right, from the very beginning, God didn't make it to where death was a thing, right? Adam and Eve would have lived forever if they would have been um, flawless, but because they weren't, death entered the world, and because of that, we have to deal with death. We have to deal with death on a regular basis. It's the ultimate exile, and we all experience exile in our lives in different ways. We all experience this feeling inside Sometimes it's the absence of belonging. We don't feel like we're ever home. We feel like we're a stranger to the people around us. There's a loneliness that we experience. Sometimes there's periods of emptiness and depression and relational challenge and poverty and all these things that we've kind of talked about already. But the question is, are you feeling that? Are you feeling this exile? And what do we do about that? Well, I think the answer here, and I think the answer for the Israelites at that time that they needed to come to terms with is that the answer is in God. 
The answer is in God. So if you're not feeling right today, if you're not feeling at home in yourself, if you're not feeling like things are, are right, let me, let me tell you where we go often when we feel that way. We try to fill the void with something else, don't we? We go to drugs and alcohol. We go to relationships. We go to uh, our jobs. We go somewhere else to try to fill that void, to try to fill Feel that, that, uh, that emptiness that we might experience, that feeling of things aren't right. We try to fix it ourselves. And it never works. It never works when we try to fix it ourselves, right? We just go around in circles and circles trying to fix this feeling that we have. And it seems like we just require more and more of whatever that thing is to feel a little bit better. And so the truth is, is that we can only find what we need in God. And so God's doing this and God's allowing this to happen in the Israelites' life because he wants them to turn to him. He wants them to say, okay, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to be in exile anymore. So let me turn to God and give my life and my heart to him. And that's what God desires from each and every one of us, to turn to him. And when we do turn to him, understand that God restores he restores out of exile everything that we've lost, everything that, all the hurts that we have. God has a way of putting things back together again. He has a way of allowing us to blossom when we turn our lives over to him. And we see that begin to happen in the life of the Israelites because in the midst of this time, 70 years pass. So 70 years pass of them being in exile and there's a remnant of them who continue to worship the Lord, who continue to seek his face. And finally, that time comes where God says, you know what, it's time. You've unlearned all these bad things that you learned along the way. You've learned the lesson that I'm trying to teach you in this, and you've been turning back to me. And so because of that, I want to send you back to your land. So let's look here at Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. It says this, it says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So he's saying here, 70 years have happened, coming back home. Famous verse here, on coffee mugs, on t-shirts, all over the place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's a beautiful verse, but the context of this verse, God is talking to the people who are in exile. And he's telling them, hey guys, you are in exile, but I want you to know that the exile is about to be over. And when you come out of exile, I've got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So yes, we can take this verse and we can say, okay, this is part of God's character, right? He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be good. Uh, but we probably shouldn't apply that to our lives in that way, um, I guess what I'm saying is Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of times is, is one that we, we, we paint everywhere. Uh, but this is specifically talking to the Israelites here. But at the same time, understand that this is God's heart for us also. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. He wants good things for us. So Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13, he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Hey, just like I talked about earlier, the answer here is doing that. Seeking God with all of your heart, turning to him, calling on him, feeling like you're in a, a place of exile, run to him, turn to him, go to him with all of your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So he's saying, call on me. I'm going to come to the rescue. I'm going to take you back home. I'm going to take you to that place once again. And it's a beautiful promise that God gives us because God brings life out of death. He does it. He brings life out of death. And sometimes the darkest moments in our life that seems like, hey, there's no coming back from this. We see here that after 70 years of that, that God brings them back. And he allows these people to come back to Jerusalem and they begin to rebuild and they begin to do something very, very special there that continues to stand. And so what I want to say to you is that if you're in a place right now where you're in exile and you feel hopeless, there's always hope in the Lord. There's always hope in the Lord to get back on your feet. There's always hope in the Lord to restart again. There's always hope in the Lord to come out of exile and to begin a new life because God does have plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope in a future. But it's going to require our full attention towards him. It's going to require surrendering to him. But all the way along the way, God has been in the business of restoration. He's been in the business of working in lives and hearts. And he loves you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to restore your life. He wants to restore your marriage. He wants to restore you in your field of work. He wants to restore you in your life. He cares about those things. So when there's exile, God has the ability to bring about restoration. Will you allow him to do that? A beautiful passage in scripture that also goes along with the exile comes out of Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's start here in verse 11. It says this, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They said, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. So this is what the people feel like when they're in exile. They feel like their bones are dried up. They feel like there's no hope. There's no way out. We are cut off. So God says, therefore prophesy and say to them, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. So beautiful passage here where God is talking to the people of Israel who are in captivity and he's telling them, hey, I'm gonna take you out of that. I'm gonna give you fresh life again. I'm going to restore. I'm going to give hope. I'm going to give life. And you know what? That promise is for you and I as well, that God can bring you out of some dark places and give you a fresh, fresh start. It's something that we should celebrate. It's something that we should get excited about. So how do we respond to that? How do we respond? Well, I think the biggest thing here is we turn to God. We turn to God today and we allow him to be our focus rather than, than trying to find hope in the things of this world. This world is going to let us down a lot. But, but also I want to bring your attention to something else because I think if we allow ourselves to find our hope in this world, we're always going to be disappointed. 
there's always going to be a new disease. There's always going to be uh, a new problem at our job. There's always going to be a new relational problem with somebody. And if we allow our hope to be found in this world, and we're going to be disappointed. But there's something beyond this world that we can have hope in. And I think ultimately what I'm talking about here that we need to pay attention to is that all of us are in exile currently. Whether you're good with God or bad with God, and the reason we're in exile is because we live in an imperfect world. We live in an imperfect world, and it's not like it should be because sin has entered into this world. But God is preparing a place for you and I he says it, where at the end of our lives, he's going to bring us with him. And you know what that place is going to be? It's going to be a perfect place, the way that he meant it to be, a place where there's no more tears and there's no more suffering and there's no more pain, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And there's a longing in all of our hearts for that place, for heaven. And one day we're going to be there. But in the meantime, what God would tell us to do is prosper, Prosper where you're at. Live where you're at. Love people well. Live for me here on this earth. Continue to serve me. Continue to be an example for me. Continue to do those things. But understand when things are hard down here that this isn't forever and that I've got a great home for you one day. That's a perfect, perfect place. And I think we can take great hope in that in the midst of challenges that this isn't forever, that God has a beautiful home prepared for us. So we should be thankful to him for that. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.